You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. songs I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer this little song is more to the point roll out the barrel and lend me your ears I like beer it makes me a jolly good fellow I like beer it helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Today is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2011. Beer Sessions Radio is sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. To learn more about beer and test your beer knowledge, go to GreatBrewers.com. We're also supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal, an association of 34 New York City beer bars. Check out GoodBeerSeal.com. And if you have any questions, you can email us at any time, BeerSessions at gmail.com, or you can call in live now at 718-497-2128. We've got a really great lineup tonight on the show. Uh, Our special guest, Garrett Oliver, is back from Brooklyn Brewery. Welcome back, Garrett. Good to be here. Any any really cool things that happened to you this weekend? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got 17 tanks in the last week. Wow. So it's uh, it's kind of like watching them do the space shuttle or something, uh, standing those things up and uh, building a little tank farm. And uh, now we got to... Yeah, you know, we we chased the antelope, and now we got to eat it. So Brooklyn Brewery is, is uh, becoming the mecca of beer in New York, and we're really psyched about that. Well, it's rock and roll, man. It's the it's the way it is. I think for uh, everybody in the room, it's, uh, just uh, we're keeping on moving. You brought some really cool beer. What is it? Uh, this is a version of our beer, Black Ops. Uh, Black Ops is a uh, is a barrel aged imperial stout. Uh, it's aged in Woodford Reserve bourbon barrels. Normally, it's aged for four months, uh, and this is the original version. This is the one that we made just for ourselves and where the name comes from because uh, it's called Black Ops because we didn't tell anybody at the brewery even that we had made it. Uh, so there were only five of us who actually knew the beer existed for uh, four months, and I thought that uh, if I just presented to everybody around at the holiday time that nobody would actually think about the fact that I spent a lot of their money without asking, um, and it worked. Amazing. And eventually we brought it out commercially. But this is the first one from 2007, and what makes this different is that we actually left it in the barrel for four years. So this is what you would call, in, uh, in port making, you would call it late bottle vintage, uh, where you leave something in the barrel for a number of years. And so this was actually only bottled about 12 weeks ago, but it went into the barrel in 2007. We've got a couple of really great guests here today. Uh, Mike Rothman from Atlantic Hops. And Peter Balut from Great Lakes Brewery in Toronto. Guys, what do you think about this beer that, that, that Garrett just poured for us? This is, uh, this is beautiful. This is a very robust, dark, just great it, aroma. It's interesting it's, how soft it becomes. You know, I mean, uh, the contact with the wood, you know, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the oxygen that makes it w- its way through the wood. So, you know, what we can do actually side by side is you can taste 2007 Black Ops that's actually was put in the bottle in 2007, and then you can taste this side by side and see the difference, which is kind of fun. 
So, Garrett, where could I try this besides here? You personally, Jimmy, can come right over to my place, and I will pour it for you. All right. You know, others may have um, difficulties. So this won't may, may <laughs> getting, not be, getting their hands may not be available. Now this this is one of those beers that you know we tell people if you want to taste this you have to come meet us and have a conversation. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know. We don't put this on a shelf for you to buy it, and we don't even get a chance to talk to you. So it's kind of like that. All right. Well, we're, we're going to start off talking to Mike Rothman from Atlantic Hops. Mike, we've had you on the phone a couple months ago. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing because your mission is uh, kind of a. Big, <laughs> yeah. Well, big challenge ahead of you. Yeah. Thanks for first of all, thanks for having me in the studio here. We're uh, you know we're basically trying to get locally grown hops uh, into the hands of local craft brewers and local brewers. So, and by local, you know, I, I guess I really mean regional. We're targeting uh, tri-state area, New England and Mid Atlantic. So you know we're Atlantic Hops has put in a facility to analyze and pelletize and package these you know the hops from throughout the region so that we can get brewers hot pellets and uh high quality locally grown hot pellets i mean that's our goal are there a lot of people uh, growing hops in the northeast there there are a lot of pockets of activity i think um and there are i'm for the most part very small scale growers you know but it's there's a lot of interest uh from both sides i think the grower side and and definitely the brewer side um, but I think it's the industry right now is is just taking shape, and there's there's quite a ways to go. But um, we felt like by putting in a facility at the early stage, we could encourage more people to grow, and uh, we could talk to brewers about you know the reality that well we have we ha- we plan to produce pellets. Here's our here's our facility. Well, certainly it's something that I'm I'm excited about because I mean if you um, in the old days going back into the uh, uh, the early 1900s. New York State was one of the great hop-growing regions uh, of the United States. And, um, you know, you actually I ha- we have advertisements that are up at the brewery showing the New York State hop fields and everything else, which were, of course, wiped out by a blight. Now, since then, and I'm sure the other, you know, the other two of us uh, here who are, uh, uh, who are making beer, you know, are, are, are pretty fascinated here because um, this is kind of our fantasy world in a way that we would actually have – uh, as many local ingredients as possible, hops being principal among them. But the thing always has has been, you talk to the farmer, and the farmer is a farmer. He's a practical man. Uh, and he's saying, well, you know, if you want to contract for this many pounds, uh, I'll grow it for you. And But they didn't have any facilities to actually dry, palletize, or whatever else the brewer needs. That said, the uh, farmers have generally sold out their crops all the time to people who want to do sort of fresh hop beers or whatever else. So at the same time, there's also a shortage of actual hops. I mean, I know that because I was trying to do, we make a beer for the High Line, and we were trying to get as much New York State ingredients as possible into it, and we pretty much couldn't buy any New York hops because they were all spoken for. So what's the next, uh, what's the next thing you're going to do? What's the level? What's the next level? Well, uh, that's a, a pretty, I think, quite an accurate, you know, overview of what's going on right now. Um, the, and we decided to kind of, we felt like we needed to, like I said, to take the plunge and put in that facility at an, an early stage, probably, you know, earlier than than some people's logic would, would probably Go ahead. Suggest, T- tell you know. us how much money. You know <laughs> no, you no, want no. You know you want to no, tell no, us. I definitely don't want to go there. <laughs> you know you want you know you want to tell us how we much don't it costs. Go there. But we do It's expensive, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so the next stage is to we we need to do outreach and and get people to grow hops and we need to 
educate um, the would-be or aspiring growers as to the market demand. What does a local brewer want? So let's just go back to the basics. So hop gives flavor to beer. And why are you so interested in working with hops? I kind of backed into it through I'm an interest in beer. I suppose, like many things, just following as a consumer the development of the craft beer industry, um, kind of trying my hand a little bit at, at home brewing, thinking about, hey, maybe I could grow some hops, and then eventually um, meeting some people that to partner up with who are, are in the hops industry already and finding that that as an area that I thought was you know, interesting, you know, exciting, and has, has a lot of potential. Then who are these people? I mean, what is the hop industry? It's so mysterious. Well, I it mean... It is kind of. I mean, I was up in Cooperstown this weekend. We went to Belgium, comes to Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And uh, there's an old courthouse in Cooperstown, and there's hop, uh, hop emblems on, on, the, on the courthouse. And they said that even at one time, the plates that the, the judges, you know, used for their meals had hop, you know, emblems on them. You know, at one time, people made a lot of money from it. Right. I mean, like, like you're saying, there is a, a really rich history of, uh, of hop growing, and a lot of people made, made fortunes up there. There's a lot of old hop barns and hop houses. And, and you find them still growing wild all yeah, over the place yeah. up there because, uh, uh, you know, it's not a plant that can be easily eradicated, fortunately. I, I found hop plants growing in Brooklyn, which are almost certainly uh, remnants of the old uh, uh, beer gardens. They, they used to be everywhere. But the question is, I mean, I guess from the brewer's point of view, you know, the brewer is always like, wow, I mean, local hops, that's great. Now, where, do, where, you know, where are you bringing in uh, uh, the expertise uh, that's necessary uh, to dry them and process them? Because that's, that's the really tricky part. I mean, you have what is essentially a flower. Right. You have to dry this flower gently in a particular, in a very particular way to a particular level of, uh, 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 of oxidation. Uh, uh, low um, and uh, uh, and heat, and then process it in a way that leaves its best uh, its best parts uh, uh, untrammeled, and it's uh, it's not easy. Uh, people light entire hop uh, uh, warehouses on fire, and these are people who've been doing it for twenty years. So, who you got? All right, so we have. Uh, I know I don't have all of this expertise, so we've partnered with um, a group in the Midwest um, that. They have a, a company there called Gorse Valley Hops, and they basically do this um, in the Midwest. They've got a regional processing facility. They grow hops. They've got a strong team, or now we do, of you know, agronomists, horticulturists, um, people who know drying, uh, cold storage engineers, that kind of stuff. So we have the technical expertise, not in terms of just pedigree. Well, you know, I'm an engineer, but I'm an engineer, and I've been working in the hops industry for the past five years. And I've I've grown hops, and I, you know they've so they and they have worked with the small scale grower in the Midwest, and a lot of the challenges sort of right sizing the approach in terms of equipment, uh, in terms of cost, uh, so that when you talk to a grower, you don't say, well, they say, well, doesn't a piece of drying equipment uh, or a harvester cost you know X hundred thousands of dollars? Well, we're working to solve some of those problems, and we have um, I think now a good history and knowledge base to help people grow hops uh, we, in terms of technical support and in terms of material support, how to build a trellis, um, you know, how to manage the hop yard, nutrient management you know, throughout the year, IPM programs. And we have drying solutions, an appropriately sized drying solution with very clear instructions we can provide to growers on 
how to measure moisture content, how now, to do it. Now, for people who don't already know this, the hop is a quite, uh, a quite robust plant. It comes up from a crown in the spring and grows uh, vines that grow to be about uh, 25 or more feet tall. Uh, it grows so fast on a bright, sunny day if it's got enough water that you can actually watch it grow. Uh, you know, you can go out to uh, to lunch and it's in one position. You come back and it's wrapped around, you know, its uh, its pole or trellis or wire and go on uh, uh, six inches up in the direction. So it's quite a wonder to see. But it's attacked by everything. Uh, red spider mites, funguses, all sorts of things. Everything wants to eat up your hops. So do you have a particular regimen that you guys have in mind for uh, are you going to be overseeing these hop yards at the various farmers and saying, okay, I'm going to tell you guys this is our standard for uh, how we're going to grow these? Yes. For, for, for growers that we partner with that, that we work with in a grower program or something along those lines, we absolutely provide that kind of technical support. We try to be proactive in the beginning in the way the, for example, the way the trellis is set up to maximize airflow through the trellis to minimize, you know, moisture settling on the plants during the day, that kind of a thing. And then we work on, you know, nutrient management, watering, again, you know, designing IPM programs. But then also throughout the year, if growers in the program have an issue, they can contact us take their iPhone, whatever they have, their phone out there, take a picture of this, send it to us and say, what's this? And if, you know, we can talk to them about what stage that's at and what they can do about it if something like that happens. So you have to be very proactive. So, Mike, you're really geared towards industry. You're going to be supplying breweries. Yes. Okay. And uh, do you have a section on your website that our, our listeners could, could go to and learn more about, you know, hops in general and Sure. What you're doing? Our, you know, our website's AtlanticHops.com, and there are sections on the grower program, uh, hops, and basically, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, back to what, what you said earlier about what's next is we've got to convince growers that they can sell their hops without contracts because we're telling them if a brewer in this region has never brewed with anything you've given them, you know, they're not going <laughs> to commit to something. And that we need to focus on quality, quality, quality. And we've designed sort of the harvesting, drying, and pelletizing processes to maximize quality. Our goal is to put out a local product that's of higher quality than you would get otherwise, and that's one factor that we need to compete on for, for business. Well, are you guys going to help establish new hop yards? I mean, I, I certainly know people with land. I know there's interest from New York State in reestablishing the business. There seems to be all the bits and pieces but I haven't really seen them come together yet. So are you going to be mostly brokering existing farmers, or are you going to be looking to establish new yards as well? No, we are, we are really focused on establishing new yards, and, and that's really where this Atlantic Grower Program comes in, in start to finish helping people get the hop yard up and running and, and then circle back and bridge that link with the brewer. I just got a quick this question. Peter from Great Lakes Brewery. Uh, how, how are you going to decide which, because there are so many hop varieties, how are you going to pick or steer farmers to grow certain ones that the brewers are after and not grow something that nobody really wants well and that's definitely one of our roles is to is to like i said make that connection back from the brewer and say we know brewers want x so i mean there's that issue demand play is going to play a, fa a role in what we suggest people grow and then there's also um certain varieties are better suited to this region than to other regions, uh, and we're not going to recommend you know people plant a hop that is just not going to thrive here. We've seen um, Willamette grow really well, you know. Yeah, Willamette would be there, Cascade, uh, Nugget, and then but there, and then there are some some other uh, some other varieties as well. And um, 
and it will partially depend on, on their individual situation and, and site location. So there are a number of factors, but that's part of what we do with the grower program is work wow. with them on planning what varieties they should plant. Well, this, this is so amazing, and it's so great that you came on. Um, and you will, will be with us for the rest of the show. My last question before we take a break is a couple of years ago, I, I heard as a bar owner there was a hop shortage. And because of that, the price of beer was going up. You have a gift for understatement, my friend. <laughs> I, I never so quite understood it, and I do, I do know that, that the price of beer, for me, has gone up a lot in the last you know, five, ten years or whatever. What was that? Oh, uh, me b- 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 believe me, uh, the, 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 brewer, the, 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 the brewers ate the actual rise in the price of, uh, you know, a, 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 a beer. The, uh, uh, the rise that you saw was a small fraction of what actually happened. I explain it to, to people this way. You know, I mean, hop shortages have happened now and again over time. But since the establishment of the craft brewing industry, there had never been a hop shortage. And this was the problem. So you had basically 1,700 breweries pretty much that had grown up with hops being available. So say you are a fish restaurant and you go to your fish guy every day and you buy some fish. Someday maybe there's no sea bass, but you get pretty much the stuff that you need. And one day... One day, one bright, sunny day that you'll never forget, you go to your fish guy and you say, I'd like to get some fish. And he says, not only do I not have any fish, I will not have any fish. And if you would like to have some fish at some point in the future, you will need a fish contract. And you, know, you say, well, wait a minute, I've known you for 20 years and my restaurant is based on fish. And he's like, too bad. You know, uh, 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 the fish lord from somewhere else has come and bought all the fish that there are. Uh, people in China and India are eating more fish, and there's no fish for you. And you're like, oh, bleep. Um, so there was a, uh, uh, a full-on panic, so wh- and was, prices went up by this? 500%, 2007. 2007. And then what happened that made it come back to normal, or is it not back to normal? Uh, a few things happened. The recession happened. Uh, that's dampened uh, demand to a certain extent. It slowed down growth in India and China, uh, which uh, uh, the first things that people want when they have a little bit more uh, 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 income around the world, no matter what, is they want more meat, they want whiskey, and they want beer. Uh, And uh, not necessarily in that order. So uh, it's it's among the first things that people grab. And when people in China, given uh, the population, want a little bit more beer... They can suck all of the uh, out of the market, and I think that a lot of us learned a lot about market economics. You know, when you have a spot market where you just go to your guy and you buy it, um, the difference between slightly too much and slightly too little is a violent difference. <laughs> and uh, slightly too much, things are normal. That's the, the market that we're used to for things like milk. There's always more milk than you need, but if there was just slightly less milk than everybody wanted. Milk would cost three times or four times what it does. And same with oil or anything else. And hops uh, went like that. Also, the big brewers uh, are looking to emulate us. They're looking to make beers like ours. How do they do that? Well, they buy our hops, uh, which gives them the ability to uh, uh, both uh, cut off our oxygen supply and get get the flavor at the same time, which is a pretty neat trick. Wow. Perhaps you feel you're being treated unfairly. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm. This, this is probably. The <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk more with Garrett Oliver, Atlantic Hops, and Great Lakes Brewery on Beer Sessions Radio. She's wearing 
Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Wow, we're here with the coolest lineup ever talking about hops. Garrett Oliver, we got Atlantic Hops, and we got Peter Bullet from Great Lakes Brewery who just walked in. Peter, how are you, man? Oh, I'm awesome. Thank you. So your your brewery's up in Toronto. Yep. And, and you come down to New York to hang out. Yep. Not to be confused with Great Lakes Cleveland, another great brewery. Uh, great Lakes, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And uh, we've been brewing beer uh, 25, 25 years next year. Well, we, we've just been talking to, to Mike from Atlanta Hops and, and Garrett Oliver about, about hops. What do you think? What, you know, what's, yeah, where do you get your hops? And, and, uh, the exact same what thing do you is, look for? Uh, is happening in Ontario. There is a resurgence of farmers that are growing. And uh, I got really excited when he said he was setting up a, a plant that actually pelletized because that's that's a problem at home right now. Nobody's nobody's gone to that step, but the uh, the growers are are starting to get together and uh, talk about varieties and farmers. I spoke with a couple that are growing some hops uh, straight for us. Unfortunately, without pelletizing ability, so we're gonna just put fresh hops right in in a couple of harvest brews that we're gonna do in the fall. Wow. Well, listen, Europe and Canada, it, it, Canada is different than America. <laughs> yes, it is. We, in many ways. Um, the dollar's bigger. <laughs> yeah. What'd you say? The dollar's bigger. The dollar's bigger. Oh, yeah. Right. But we can carry our guns in the open. True enough. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if, if there's a difference in Canadian beer drinkers and American beer drinkers. I, um, I, do, I do feel so. The, uh, the difference we talk about at home we used to say that the American craft brewing scene is about 10 years ahead of us in Canada and Ontario. And I think that's, that bridge is slowly gapping, and I think we're maybe about five, four. He talks about, uh, Garrett talking about barrel aging four years ago. N- nobody even, I don't think, knew what that was. Well, they knew, but nobody was actively even trying to think about trying anything like that. Well, let's think about all, all the really great Canadian breweries that we know. We know uh, in Montreal, there's Du de Ciel. There's Hopfenstark, some r- real small breweries. Um, Garrett, anything that pops your pops yeah, in your mind? Yeah, I, I, I know I know a bunch of them up there. I mean, in the early days, you had McHouseland, etc. But the, the thing I find fascinating about the relationship between uh, the United States and Canada when it comes to beer is that Canada, I have to say, is even to your average brewer who gets around an almost total mystery. Uh, there is almost no communication uh, in either direction. Even like Mondial de la Bière, uh, very few American brewers even get invites or get emails about it. And uh, for your average American brewer, uh, brewers in Belgium and England and places much further away are better known to them, um, not just through their beers, but also personally than people in Canada, which is kind of weird. And I haven't figured out why it is. Um, In Ontario in particular, you do have a state monopoly, which makes things uh, uh, spectacularly difficult. Uh, when it comes to actually getting, you know, if, even if you just want to, you know, pour a beer at a particular event. Um, so it's, uh, it's, uh, th- that makes things uh, more difficult. But I think that it's almost like, uh, you know, we haven't thought about Canada uh, as much as we should just because it is so close um, that it's like, you know, it's like that thing where some, you have a neighborhood two neighborhoods away and you've never been there, but you've been to France. So you're in Toronto. I mean, what is it like? I mean, uh, you said there's a monopoly. How do you sell? You know, what's yeah. the system? Three tier. So there, there's uh, no. The local brewers go direct to two outlets. Basically, there's LCBO, which is the world's largest purchaser of alcohol, and uh, our beer store. Both. So the government controlled LCBO, that's Liquor Control Board, and the beer store is owned by the giant brewers. So there is there is quite a quite a monopoly and a and a and 
a big so door for American. You breweries. at the brewery, if, if I want your beer, I have to go to one of those places. Yeah. And or what about if can I go to a restaurant or a bar? Absolutely. Yeah, we we ship direct to uh, well, all the interior brewers can ship direct to the bars on their own, and same with the liquor stores. And then every brewery typically has an on-site store as well they can sell there. And then where do I get an accent like yours? <laughs> Come hang out with us a little bit. <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, everyone. I think the Canada is pretty cool. And um, we're happy to be, like, closely associated with you. And I'm speaking as an American. You yes. know? I can speak for America. Yeah. Um, you know, what else makes uh, being a, a Toronto unique? I mean, Toronto is like a cool city. It's, it's as international as New York, right? Yeah, it's very similar in a lot of ways other than the size and sprawl because we're, uh, I guess, similar to here because we're on the lake. We can only go in three directions. Um, it's grown considerably in the last bunch of years just as the craft brewing scene has. And we're in around 5 million people now in Toronto and huge tourist uh, spot for sure. And uh, same, just breweries are just having a great time and a lot more people are accepting craft beer into their fridges. So if we go up to Toronto, let's say we, we pick a nice fall. What's the best time in Toronto, fall or summer? I, I think fall. I Spring, fall. It's like I call it sweater weather. I think it's probably similar here. Just The summers are just as hot as they are here. And it's, it gets a little bit crazy, although that's when all the good beer festivals are on. But uh, the fall, for sure, is, I think that's my favorite. So wh- where would we go in Toronto? We want to check out some good beer, some good food. Yep. There's a lot of great uh, restaurants and uh, pubs that are pouring strictly craft beer now, which you didn't see even a couple of years ago. And there's more and more opening up. There's more and more breweries opening up and contract breweries. So there's a lot of beer and a lot of great food to go with it. Like what? Besides your Great Lakes Brewing, name a couple other breweries, a couple pubs that you like yeah, up there. Yeah, there's uh, Cameron's Brewery. They're, they're a great brewer as well. Uh, Black Oak, Amsterdam, Steam Whistle, Mill Street. Um, we've actually put together something called the OCB, which is the Ontario Craft Brewers Association. So there's almost 30 of us uh, involved in that. And basically the mission is just to promote and enjoy craft beer with people. And there are a few long-standing beer bars. Oh yeah, uh, that are you know that are pretty serious. You know, one of them just put in a you know a little system of their own, and they're they're, they're brewing away doing a you know doing a, a bunch of limited beers that are uh, in collaboration with some of the local brewers. Yep. Yeah, that's probably talking about Barvolo. That's uh, probably one of the yep. best beer bars in Toronto. Which kind of it was kind of a fun place because it's like two sons and the father. That's right. You know, and uh, Italian you know, too. Yeah, yeah, they're you know, kind of Italian, and 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 the whole thing just has that you know that vibe to it. And uh, just had a great time there. You know, uh, like a month and a half ago. You know, for uh, for Toronto Beer Week. And uh, one evening, just uh, everybody so out. There, for there's a Toronto Beer Week. There yeah. is a Toronto Beer Week. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know anything about this. Yeah, <laughs> See, they don't, they, they, fill they, me in. Come they, on. Don't, they don't tell us anything. <laughs> no. Toronto Beer nothing. Week. That's like our accent. And, uh, we keep it to ourselves. At this great beer bar that you like, what's it called? Bar Volo? Volo, yeah. Do they only sell Ontarian beers? Do they sell no, international they've, beers? They've actually, they uh, now that the, the, the trio, the family trio, have started an importing company as well. So they're starting to bring in some beers. I still didn't get enough information, but I, th- I think they're only able to sell the restaurants. They, it's not able to go through the uh, liquor distribution system just because of the way that it's set up there. But, uh, yeah, these guys are actually brewing now in the restaurant as well. And uh, not only them, but a lot of the other brewers were getting together and doing collaboration beers. And it's constant now. Where a couple of years ago, you barely would talk to the guys. <laughs> and where do you sell? Do you only sell in Ontario? Uh, we're, we're a little bit across the country. We go east to uh, Nova Scotia and out west to Manitoba. So this this is what what's the name of this beer? This is a crazy Canuck. Uh, I like it. Can I have a little more? Yeah, <laughs> it's good. So this is a West Coast style pale ale. It's just loaded with uh, Amarillo hops, it's dry hop as well. 
That brings up an interesting point. I've, I've noticed that for a long time it seemed like IPA was the go-to beer. And now I feel like that the IPA is kind of like losing its grip where it's like you have to suddenly go with a double IPA or imperial IPA or some strong IPA. Or you're getting pale ales that are as hoppy as IPAs used to be. Yeah. And uh, it, it makes me – I hardly want to get an IPA anymore because I feel like there's a lot more variety. As I mentioned that, you know – Canada's about five years behind now. IPAs are, are really, really big and fun. And this has got to be one of the hoppiest beers right now by, by nose for sure and probably by bitterness um, in Ontario. And we're same thing, just trying to push, push the limits and push the people's palates. So we're getting emails of like, this is the absolute worst beer I've ever had in my life. I can't believe you're putting this in a can to this is the only beer I'm going to drink ever. So it's, it's quite a mix. People are, we're definitely shocking some palates, but... At the same time, the, the word's getting out, and we're having some fun. I think we have the pendulum now swinging back in the other direction, you know, because of uh, you know people like Jimmy and uh, a lot of other people who you know they love their hoppy beers, but they haven't undergone the entire lupulin shift of uh, of only drinking uh, excuse uh, me you know, hoppy beers. Lupulin, the lupulin shift. Are you unfamiliar with the term? <laughs> Garrett, uh, uh, please define. You know, when you get up to the West Coast, they respond that they, they they talk about the lupulin shift, and this is the point at which uh, extreme hoppiness becomes normal to you. Uh, and so, you know, beers that are uh, 70 IBUs and 8.5% are your standard drinking beers, and then you take things that are beyond that. The problem, of course, is that, you know, if you used to like uh, Pilsner or whatever else, you can't taste it anymore because yeah. uh, your, your taste buds are kind of blown out. Now, if, uh, if you went to Southern California, they would uh, dispute this, but, of course, they are wrong. It's almost like coffee, too. We've noticed that in other beverages. We've seen that Cheers. in coffee. We've seen that in wine. Things get stronger and stronger. Absolutely. But guys like Dan Shelton have been arguing for a few years about you know having more session beers. Oh, and I man. like what you made, you brought in last week. You brought in your your cuvee. Yeah. Rouge, what was it cuvee? Uh, uh, yeah, cuvee crochet rouge. But uh, you know we have uh, uh, we have a bunch of beers that are yeah. coming down the pike around the brewery that are really uh, you know about uh, things that 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 we want. Uh, and that, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm best known among brewers for what I call the four pint principle, which is when, when we make one of our regular beers, I mean, not like Black Ops, but I want you to want four pints at the minimum. I want you to sit down and say, you know what? I'd love to have four I like of this these. guy, Garrett Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. When I'm at a bar, if I, if I can, there's some beers I, I can drink and halfway through I don't like it. Some I may drink one and then the second beer I don't want. You know what? You know what? I want my four I, pints. I, 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 I have news for people. Like if, you, if, you, if it's a regular beer, an IPA, a pale ale, you get it halfway through it and you don't like it, that's a bad beer, okay? It means the person can't brew. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, when people make their decision, everybody tries to aim for the top of the glass. And I always tell brewers, the point that you need to aim for is that last fifth of the glass. That's where your beer needs to taste its best because, you know, that's where people are going to decide, I'm going to have a margarita. I'm going to go do something else. I'm leaving. I'm going to have another one of these. In fact, I would like to have four of these. So, Peter that's from Great answer. Lakes, I'm on my second pint of your, what's it called, Crazy, <laughs> Crazy Canuck. Can I have a little more, please? Sure, man. <laughs> Jimmy, wa- Jimmy wants four of those. <laughs> I like this. And then, and Mike from Atlantic Hops, have you been up to Toronto? I have. I have. I haven't been in there in a while, but we've been, um, you know, we've been interacting with some growers in Canada as well. As as like uh, as he was saying, there are there's more interest in growing hops up there too. So uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, the lo- logistics of getting, you know, plant material back and forth across across the borders in terms of them being able to send stuff to us to be pelletized because it's feasible um 
given uh, if it's dried properly. Uh, I, I can tell you lots of plant material goes back and forth across that border all the time. <laughs> True. <laughs> plant material maybe is a bad choice. Uh, it's even related plant material. Yes, related. <laughs> It is. <laughs> That's the other show that they don't have. <laughs> that next hour. But, you know, it, it, going back to hops, because hops is fascinating. The more I learn about it, I, I still don't have a straight answer. It's like, you know, hops is fragile and beautiful. And then it's like, I, I still don't understand how we can get all the hops that we need and, and into our beers. It, it's amazing. Well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, what people often don't know is that a lot of those West Coast beers, and you know, I'm not saying anything bad about them. I have a different philosophy. I, I like them a lot. A lot of them are full of hop extract and hop oils. Right. You know, I mean, the, the ones that people talk about the most are full of extracts and hop oils because, you know, these guys are they're coming out of that area. And it's funny. I was talking to a hop guy and he said, uh, well, you look at all these uh, these you know extracted oils and whatever else, and all the craft brewers say they would never use them. Well, who do you think they're selling them to? They're not selling them to the big brewers. What are they going to do with hop oil? Yeah. You know, so actually, that's a big thing in California. That's one way of getting a, a lot more hop aroma and flavor into your beer. Um, you know, and I like a lot of these beers a lot, so I'm not uh, you know I'm not dogging anybody. We just don't go there ourselves. Um, but what's interesting is uh, is that is what a hard thing it is to get and keep hop aroma in beer right. and to keep hop aroma in the hops themselves. I mean, uh, uh, you get out in the field and it's a beautiful thing and you're feeling nature and whatever else. But putting hops in a package which can last for a year or two is a very highly technical uh, 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 pursuit. And uh, it's not easy to do. So I'm, I'm very excited uh, uh, about uh, uh, about what Mike's doing. That is, you know, that's a really almost precisely part of the challenge is how to keep those minerals and those aromas and the essential oils intact throughout the process of harvesting, drying, and pelletizing so that you get that out of the hops, uh, the hop pellets. I can tell you, we used to have cascades from two different companies, Yakima Chief and Hop Union. And we kept them as two completely separate hops. They were so different because of the way they had been processed. They could not be traded off one for the other. They couldn't be, you know, we blended them sometimes, but they were two completely separate hops. How how big are these companies? I mean, you're, you're in the scheme of things, a craft brewery, Brooklyn Brewery, and the large breweries are, are, are buying hops, too. I mean, these companies, what are the top hop companies in America? Well, I'll give you some idea. I mean, Brooklyn Brewery this year will do about 140,000 barrels. Uh, Sam Adams is 25 times our size. Anheuser-Busch InBev is 200 times their size. So uh, it puts things in perspective. You know, if you feel like you're going around New York, you see a lot of Brooklyn lager, you're talking about companies that are thousands of times the size of our company. But, so what, so, what so, are so some when, of when those big, guys big want guys. some, yeah. when those guys, even, even if they want a little bit, they want a little bit, they want something which is going to be dusted off in a corner every once in a while, that will eat up more hops than our entire brewery would produce No, I understand that. But, but what are some of the big names in hops? Because we're going to close out this segment. But give me like a couple of the companies because, you know, your industry and we're just consumers. Hop Union. Hop Union and Chief were the same people. Barth Haas. Um, you have uh, uh, Hops from England doing a very nice job. You know, there are a lot of importers and processors. Uh, uh, Hopsteiner, 
are, are major. They, they wouldn't be really known, you know, to uh, even most home brewers, um, but they'd be known to all. So you there's know, to a all, couple all different companies. Brewers. It's not just like one or two monopolies. No, I mean everybody's there's, trying, you know, and there are new ones popping up yeah. since the hop crisis because they're saying, well, everybody needs hops, but it's really aroma hops that everybody needs. So when Atlantic hops comes on, you guys will be known as Atlantic hops, and that'll be, you'll be a whole other market. Another source, you know. That's the idea. Yes. I used to grow hops in front of the brewery. Uh, I I gave it up a few years ago because I got too busy. Uh, I'm I'm offering to you now this great opportunity to come grow hops up the front of Brooklyn Brewery once again to reestablish a hop yard here in Brooklyn. (laughs) All right, we'll be there. But so this is exciting for you, Garrett. Then, right? Yeah. The idea that there's another source of hops, possibly northeast. I I, am excited. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Rich and uh, Rich and Peter are excited too. Yeah, we've got a got a good little track of land ourselves. That uh, if you figure out the border thing, come on up and grow some hops on our place as well. Great right. tracks of land. Yes. Quick shout out to our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. We'll be back in a short break, and we'll we'll talk about Single Cut Beersmith, a new beer coming from Brooklyn. We will rock you. Beer Sessions Radio. service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Every Tuesday at noon, Dave Arnold, the author of CookingIssues.com, will discuss new and innovative techniques, equipment, and ingredients. Call in with your own questions to see if Dave and the crew can solve your cooking issues. Again, that's Tuesdays at noon on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. There's so many great shows on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. We're so happy to be here. Beer Sessions Radio every Tuesday. we got some really cool guys. I don't even know. Has anyone else in this room listened to Heritage Radio Network besides me? Garrett? I'll have. What do you like? You like the main <laughs> course, the Patrick Martins? Yeah, no, I've, I've been on here with, uh, we, uh, I've, I've listened to and been on with uh, the guys from Snacky Tunes, you know, which, uh, which I really like a lot. I love those guys. And there's Cutting the Curb with Ann Saxelby. And does anybody else know any of the shows? No. <laughs> well, you will, because Sorry. Heritage Radio Network is growing, and it's awesome. I've and listened so... to many of the shows, Jimmy. What? I've listened to many of the shows, You have? Jimmy. So which ones do you like? I like the ones that I've been on. <laughs> or my mention <laughs> my <Blu-ray. laughs> Single Cut Beersmith. Thank you. All right. Well, then here's our new guest. It's, it's Rich Busetta. 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 Thank you. And uh, you've got a, a beer. You call yourself Single Cut Beersmith, but you're not a brewery. Right. But you, you're a brand. Right. Uh, that's a great way to sum it up, and it sort of crystallizes my background and where I'm going. Uh, I'll very briefly tell you about my uh, history with brewing and beer and craft beer. Well, I've, uh, I've only been in the beer industry for the last four years. Uh, before that, I was a hardcore home brewer, and my profession was uh, advertising. Well, as I climbed the ranks in advertising and... Uh, 
continue to uh, have less and less fun as you do so, and it becomes m- more about. But it's already slow down. So, are, are you making beer currently? Of course. Uh, but as a home brewer, yes. And what what's your goal? You want to have a brewery, right? You want to have like a nano brewery. You want to have like a full fledged brewery. We're going to have a thirty barrel system. And you want to have that in New York? It'll be north of the city in Rockland County. Okay, single cut beers. With let me tell you what I what I think about it. Okay, because <laughs> we've talked a couple of times and I heard about it. I think it's a it's a, a band from Soweto in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, guys. I'm I like to, it. No, I'm thinking that in fact he is a samurai, and he when he goes into a battle, it's like I will destroy you with a single, single cut. cut. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to use that, Garrett. <laughs> well, so so tell so, so so tell us, Rich, what exactly does single cut one word mean? Great question. Single cut uh, is well. When I came up with the name for the brewery, I thought, well, there are a few things I certainly don't want it to be named after, one of which is a dog or a goose or any kind of wildlife that's been done ad nauseum. Uh, what? No wombats. <laughs> wombats. Single cut wombats. I hadn't thought of that. That would have been pretty cool. So we're going so, to have so much fun. Now, not, not, not Peter, you guys, what, what, what do you have to say about the word single cut? I don't know. I, I, I think it's pretty cool, I'll be honest. That's, uh, that is a neat Expression saying, I will kill you with a single cut. <laughs> it's quite dark. We, we do have a tagline, but I, don't know, I, I went to film school. I watched all those Kurosawa movies. But, but, but it, this is what I think that it means. I mean, what I, uh, I, um, I think in terms of cuts, what people refer to as cuts from distilling, uh, uh, you know, a cut being a run or whatever else, and someone, you know, slicing something out which is itself singular and presenting it and telling you this is the one part of this whole thing that you actually wanted. How close am I? Uh, you're close in terms of what the general perception will be. Uh, it's it, you know, it's the sort of thing. I'm not of, doing well, am I? <laughs> no, I think that well, was a great stab. Fun we're I trying to help you because no, he needs money and he wants to open a brewery. Thank you, thank you, Jimmy. and we love you. And Let's I actually love the name. You. <laughs> you only have a single chance to invest. <laughs> All right, <laughs> the name the name originates from uh, you know when I came up with the name, I thought, well, what's something that I really love that speaks to me that I'm all about? And aside from craft beer, I played guitar most of my life, and I've played uh, primarily a electric guitar and a uh, solid body single cut style. It's a uh, style of uh, body style of guitar is a single cut. But uh, I liked the double play on it. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe point zero zero five percent of the audience will ever make that connection, and to the, everyone else, so you're, work, you're working on the name. You're working on the name. No, well, the name is there. No, it's good. So, single cup beer, Smith. What beer are we drinking right now? Because you you do make good beers. Julie Barnard, who's been on our show, she's good friends with the guys at Bargrade Harry Mission Dolores. She loves your beers. Yeah, Julie's. And great. that's how we learn about you. So, tell tell us about the beer we're drinking right now. Uh, we're drinking the Alpine Amber. Uh, this is to me just. I loved, uh, Garrett, your uh, four-pint analogy, and I think that a lot of the beers that we're going to aim for are going to follow suit in that style, Uh, and I would like to think that this is one of them. Uh, It's a 5.5% amber ale, and it's fairly hoppy, which I am a hophead, I'll admit it, Um, but it just goes down very smooth. Similar to that, we, the expression the four pine is also it tastes like another. 
Well, the, the British have right. a, the British have a wonderful uh, word for this, which we don't have, and that and that word is uh, Moorish. Moorish, yeah, you know, you know, and it's like meaning that you want more, mm. you know, and right. and it just doesn't work in uh, American English. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, on, on the spot here for a second. Okay, Rich. I'm ready. You know, but th- this is a good spot, though. Okay, uh, and, and I'm buckled in. Okay. Uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get out there in a very crowded beer market. Right. What is the thing that you think you can do in your heart of hearts yep. better than everybody else? And you're gonna bring it. That's a great question. Uh, we're gonna be all about uh, integrity. Uh, we're gonna be all about. We are the only people who will ever touch the beer that will ever find its way into a glass. Uh, we uh, your distributor will be well, very disappointed. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, Rich, we're Rich. Gonna, and we're going to self-distribute as well. Which wait, wait, so on. This is cool. We're having fun with you, but every time we say your name, Single Cut Beer Smith, right? You're heard around the world. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be the only ones to touch the beer that goes in that glass. Is that what you said? That's what I said. What does that mean? That means that we're the only ones who are going to brew it. It won't be contract brewed or farmed out or anything like that. Everything will be uh, under our guys. All right. I just got a question. Uh, we have an email question that just came in. And I've got the perfect panel here. I've got Garrett Oliver, Brooklyn Brewery. We've got uh, this guy from Peter Toronto. <laughs> and Rich is scouting out a brewery location in New York City. And I know that Garrett's interested because they just expanded their brewery. Okay. I'm in New York City, and I, I'm looking for the perfect location for a brewery. And, and, and have either of you sur- surveyed the city? I, I even know that Peter has, has done some real estate in New York. So have you surveyed the city or the surrounding region? What would be a good place to locate a small brewery in the New York City region? Well, I certainly know Brooklyn well because we, we, we looked for seven years uh, for a new you know, brewery location. And we ended up going through a wall into buildings next door. But uh, Brooklyn is really, really, really tough. Yeah. Um, now, I've heard rumors for years of people opening up a brewery in the Bronx. Um, right. <laughs> and, and, is, is that for real? I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure whether it's re- real or not. I assume that it's real. At least people are having a go at it. But, of course, you know, if it took us seven years to find a place uh, in Brooklyn... Uh, I can imagine that in the Bronx it could be tough, too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, that uh, if you could... I mean, I'll bet that uh, if you, for example, opened a brewery on Staten Island, you'd probably have such serious Staten Island loyalty, uh, uh, et cetera, and maybe there's some uh, uh, some land out there. But it's, you know, it's New York City. There's a reason why uh, there are not so many breweries here. I mean, it's a very, very hard place to do this kind of business. You have to truck your materials in and out, um, you know, and it's, uh, and, and, and it's hard. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a reality of the situation. And I remember when there, you remember too, when there were over a dozen breweries in the city, you know, in, uh, in, in, in the late nineties and, uh, uh, and almost all of them are, are, are gone. What happened to them? Um, well, most of them were brew pubs, um, and uh, brew pubs basically, I mean, this is, we can have a whole show about this, but brew pubs essentially in New York City didn't survive the success of craft beer. You know, the, the success of craft beer actually is what killed the brew pub. Huh. The fact that uh, uh, you can go to, uh, uh, to all kinds of places, including Jimmy's number 43, and uh, he's going to have a spectacular range of beers, uh, uh, including things that are local, and then you as the brew pub have like eight beers and they better be the best bloody things you ever had in your entire life that people are going to go in there now. Whereas back in the old days, that was the only place you could get good beer. Not anymore. What, Peter, you know New York. A little you, bit. Not, not, as, yeah, not as well as they should. Where would you open a, a small brewery around here? Well, when, that, uh, when you asked that question at first, what I first started thinking about was a brew pub not realizing that there was such a demise of these 
poor guys. But, uh, you know, I've been hanging out in Astoria for three years now, and a lot of uh, craft beer bars are, are have opened up in the last three years, and the draft selection has expanded. Like, I can't believe how many beers they have on tap, actually. And a couple of them are doing growlers out. I just thought, naturally, being in the hood there, Astoria would be an awesome place for us, for either a very small brewery or a brew pub. And Rich? Well, I think uh, the problem is that New York City is, is too popular. Uh, post the Giuliani and uh, and et cetera administrations. <laughs> Perhaps you feel you're being treated unfairly. <laughs> you can get them uh, with a single cut. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> right. I've researched all these places, and they just got, they're just too expensive. That's the bottom line. Yeah. The real estate. So too where are you going to open your brewery? It's going to be in Rockland County. Thank you. Okay, yeah, north of the city, about a half hour. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So who else is up there? There's Defiant, right? Uh, Defiant, that's right. Who, who's, uh, who's the brewer at Defiant? Uh, I think it's still Neil. I think it's... What, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah. Neil what? Uh, oh, you're putting me on the spot? Come yeah, on. I'm on the <laughs> spot yeah, too. His I, face I, is in front of my mind, right. but... Uh, Sorry, Neil. I forgot your name today. Neil from Defiant. It's in Pearl, <laughs> Pearl River, Pearl New River. York. That's right. That's a pretty neat place. I, I yeah. like their beers. Um, how long has he been brewing? About three or four years now, Garrett? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, have, um, have you been over to his brewery? I have not yet. Yeah, th- it, it's an interesting brewery. We've heard we've heard uh, good things and bad about him. I'm only saying that as honestly because I know that he's came out, he regrouped, and um, I like a lot of his beers. I really do. Well, you know, we certainly followed the model in the early years of doing our own distributing, which uh, which has its advantages and disadvantages, and you know, and and, and Rich is gonna. You know, discover both, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 getting out there and uh, uh, and doing it, but uh, you know, beer is a uh, you know, beer's a tough business. It ends, it's not it's not water polo, yeah. you know. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And the reason why I asked that question is that uh, I mean, my dad was in advertising. I grew up in advertising. Um, you know, he was a creative supervisor for Y and R. Oh, okay. and so you know, <laughs> yeah. So 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 you know, uh, we grew up around that, and it's and, and so when I that's one reason I asked you that question that, that you know I, I think that you need something which is going to distinguish you, and do you have an idea that floats around your head? You're like, I mean, when there when other people aren't around, and of course, no one's really listening at the moment, so you can tell us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you really truly believe? It's like you know what. I can really bring this in a way that nobody else is going to do it. You know, they will never see this coming. I'm going to. I've actually got the answer for you. I think by saying Rockland County, I I think that he's already got it. It's well, that's part of it. There's a there's a huge population. You're in a Rockland County state of mind. Is that what you're telling us? (laughs) Well, I do know Nyack very well. Back from my cycling (laughs) days, Uh, I used to cycle to Nyack and back, which is a big destination. Your record has been erased, and you don't need to talk about that today. I can tell you that as your counsel, Garrett. When when we close out, (laughs) wait. When we close out, do you have the closing song in mind? Garrett. Out of the tree of life, <laughs> I just picked me a plum. We're, we're going to have to give a shout out to our, our supporter, the Good Beer Seal. Hey, Jimmy, it's Jack. I just got to say, we got an email from a listener who says, uh, Single Cut, great name, great beer. Nice. And do they, do they have a name? Dave. <laughs> nice plant. Dave, you're awesome. <laughs> thank you. Dave loves you, Rich. Oh, that's great. I have no idea who he is, but thank you, Dave. We, we tried your one. Any, do you have one more beer for us before we go out, Rich? I do have a lager. So what should we tell people? So if you're interested in reaching Rich Puchetta, yes, single cut 
Beersmith. Yeah, you can go to our website. What's the website? Singlecutbeersmiths.com. All right. And people can find that if they want to give you money or invest in some way. That's right. And you can say it. How much money are you trying to raise to get open? Well, we've got we've made it modular. We've got a number of scenarios on the table right now. Best case scenario is that we buy the building we're going to be in, so it's a long-term uh, solution, and that would be in excess of $2 million. Uh, minus that, we're talking one point one seven five. So you're talking about you know a little bit of money. Yeah. You go check it out. Let's say your website again, please. Singlecutbeersmiths.com. Right. I, I have an idea for you for free. <laughs> you know, in your tap room, you should have a cut of pork, and it's going to be cured. And you're going to tell people that it's actually the buchetta. You know, I was like, well, that's the culatello. <laughs> you know, and over there is this. But this piece, this is the best piece you're going to get. Garrett, you know, I need I'll, you I'll, to I'll, come I'll, help me with I'll, that because I'll, you're the food master. I'll bet a guy like you never had a buchetta. <laughs> but, but here, we got the best buchetta on the entire East Coast. Done and done. You know, and, and you know what? We can, cut, we can do it in a single cut. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do that this it. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's, <laughs> Jimmy's number 43. Jimmy's number 43. Wait, can I have one second, Jimmy? I just got to give props to this black op that we had earlier from Garrett. Outstanding. Awesome. Wow. The, the Buchetta cut, it's only from yeah. Heritage Foods, USA. Exactly. Our parent. All right. Our parent. Everyone gets a shout-out. Guys, we're going to wrap it up, and this is the coolest night ever, but guess what? Good Brazil Bar Events, Muggs Ale House, will be having a rated A weekend, August 13th and 14th. Check out the beers that they rate A from Union Beer. They have uh, beers like Firestone Walker, Allagash, and others. Browery Lane, which is a new Good Beer Seal bar in New York City, is having a Saison sampler uh, on August 18th. And later this month, Rattle and Hum will be go- uh, going on a tour of Victory Brewing. And uh, I'm going to push a really special beer dinner August 17th at Jimmy's number 43. Uh, we've got a great guest chef. There was a guy named uh, Ryan Tate. He was a chef for a long time at Savoy Restaurant in New York City. He's coming in do- doing a meal, and his choice was sour beers. So we're going to have a uh, Jolly Pumpkin and Cantalon. Can I, can I give a little plug for Toronto? Go for it. Tell us. So this weekend is uh, Toronto's biggest beer festival, Toronto Beer Fest. And uh, we do something there called Casca Palooza, which is just the plethora of... And uh, mo- mostly Ontarian beers, or you have beers from all over the world? Uh Mostly Ontario, but we get some uh, some importers coming right. as well. Mike, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> one hour on the plane. <laughs> Are you what, one hour on the plane? One hour on the plane. Oh, Toronto. One hour, yeah. Garrett, anything coming up at Broken Brewery? Oh, there's always stuff coming up. We're about to release uh, The Companion in a few weeks, uh, a uh, beer that we talked about before, which uh, celebrates the, the book coming out. And uh, we're just getting all these new tanks online. It's, uh, you know, it used to be... August was a quiet time, and there are no quiet times anymore. And, Mike, you just did a hop-growing workshop. We just did a workshop in uh, Tarrytown, New York, on a full-day workshop on small-scale hop production, which was, uh, which was great. Um, I, would, I would finish by saying if you're thinking at all about planting hops next spring, now's the time to get in touch and all start right. planning. So I'd like to thank our sponsors again at greatbrewers.com. And thank you to Good Beer Seal, goodbrewseal.com. Thanks to Garrett, Rich, Peter, and Mike for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor, and guest coordinator, Brett Thompson. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Good night, and thank you! Cheers, Garrett, where's your song? This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes him feel mellow. 
This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. The long-awaited documentary, The Vanishing of the Bees, will be screening in Astoria, Queens, at the Broadway branch of the Queens Public Library on Monday, September 19th. I know that seems like a long ways away, but it isn't. It will be broadcast from 6 to 8 p.m. More information about this fascinating look at bee life and colony collapse disorder can be found at their website at www.vanishingbees.com. I also wanted to add that the producers are all working on a 30-minute educational video for high school students, so any parent or teacher should check out the site to see what he or she can do to work with the team to bring this into a school curriculum. The film has a Facebook page as well that discusses current events that affect bees. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. Sugar on the Pole and City Winery are proud to present the Summer Barbecue Blowout Festival, August 6th, from noon to 4 p.m. The barbecue is happening at City Winery, located at 155 Varick Street in New York City. Restaurants featured at this event are Empire Mayonnaise, Van Dag, Momofuku Milk Bar, Imperial No. 9, Myland, Mexicue, Kraft, Dizzy's Club, Coca-Cola, The Meatball Shop, and Dos Toros. Providing the soundtrack for the day are Midnight Magic, Computer Magic, New Villager, Punches, Ducky, DJ Autobot, and the Snacky Tune DJ. VIP and general admission tickets are available at citywinery.com. Finger on the pole for City Winery, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Heritage Foods USA, New York Magazine, Rekha Vodka, Sonar, Smile, Guilt City, Sub-Zero and Wolf. Please come out and join us for a day of fun, food, and dancing. For more information, go to www.fotpnyc.com. 